Hello, wrenches, and welcome back to the Wrench Centers podcast, a show that's about improving the life, well-being, and productivity of mechanics everywhere. I'm your host, Mr. Joshua Taylor, founder and CEO of WrenchTuners.online, a business providing content and digital products for service leaders and mechanics everywhere. Products like the WrenchTuners Wellness Survey, a product that can help service leaders diagnose what the shop needs most from the technicians on the front lines themselves. Or the Reverse Interview, a show where mechanics can listen to potential new service leader answers, interview questions, and talk about themselves, the store they manage, and the leadership style. If you are interested in finding out more, please reach out to me by email to leader at justworkhard.com. On today's show, Kaylee Filio, sales and marketing manager with Parts Edge. On today's episode, we talked about test driving to context, learning habits, obsolescence priority, dropping parts knowledge, and finding positives in the progression. Let's get into it. It's that it's there. Okay. And um, realistically speaking, uh, Kaylee, we can just jump right in. Like, what got you into automotive? Um. So <laughs> it's the story, like everyone else, right? <laughs> um. So what got me into automotive is I was managing a subway restaurant and um, the owners of Parts Edge were my regular customers. And they asked me if I knew anyone that was hiring. And I, you know, just like, I, I don't really know anyone. <laughs> and I was like, thinking about it, I'm like, well, I'm kind of curious about what these guys do because they, you know, they look, they're, co- they're cool people. Um, and so I kind of, I reached out to them and was like, hey, I'm kind of interested. Because I was at this time in my life where I was like, going to college, but kind of like, I didn't really like it that much. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I knew I didn't want to stay at Subway forever. Uh, Cause it's mm-hmm. either by Subway, uh, which I was considering. Um, but I was, you know, I think I was 19. So I was like, that's kind of mm-hmm. far-fetched. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's kind of how I got it. And I, I took them up on their offer and, and started working for them. Awesome. Awesome. It was so basically you got an automotive because it was a, a next transition in life for you more than anything. It was. Okay. Yeah, yeah I did. And now that you're in, bit. you were posting that you were out in a Bronco there recently. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I was in a Bronco. <laughs> so the the amazing bits that automotive uh, occasionally offers to those um, those opportunities to have fun with some new product when it comes along and, and you're in the right place. Um, some of those old stories, like I got an opportunity to to go to one of the, the new vehicle um, road courses with Mercedes-Benz while I was there. And I, I think similar experience, it's like, I've never owned a Mercedes-Benz before. I may not ever own a Mercedes-Benz in my lifetime, but um, yeah. my wife got to own a couple of B-classes while I worked for them. But we got to, I got to, trust drive the new glk at the time and that was a whole experience on its own it was really cool but uh i digress so since then you've been working for parts edge yeah so i i started working for parts edge so it's about i think it was 1920 um and then i left for uh, about a year maybe two it's been like like i don't think it was totally two years i think it was a year and a half 
um because once i started working for them um it, you know it was a smaller company so i got to get my hands in a lot of things but i wasn't able to get into sales um because they already had a salesperson and it was just that was their thing and um you know i was something i was always interested in and i had some friends in real estate um so i was like you know what i'm gonna go try doing that because that's really where i feel pulled to try um, and then that was a whole thing in itself because um, it was not what I expected. It's San Diego. I'm living in San Diego. Yep. Very, very much. Um, the di there's a difference between consumer sales and business to business sales now that I'm, you know, doing that. And I personally like the business to business a little bit better. I, um, the consumer sales, it's just, I don't know, it's just not really what I really enjoyed. Um, and so I learned really quickly. I was like, okay, this isn't really what I want to do. And um, I there was an opportunity their salesperson had left, and it was like perfect mm -hmm. timing. I was like, okay, this is what this is my opportunity to go back and really help them. And so when I came back, I was like, you know, I I want to do sales, but I also we need to do marketing because that is what we're really missing. Um, and so I really kind of started from ground zero. Um, there wasn't a CRM in place. There was no marketing. So I just really created, um, the process for everything. And that was about six years ago. So, uh, so back the truck up here, just <laughs> that has, it, we've been like, I, I've been going to SDL and, and I met you on SDL and I, I understood that you were the sales and marketing manager for parts edge. I didn't realize that you had taken, you had started and then left and then came back. But uh, the oh. real thing is I didn't realize that you built their entire marketing platform. <laughs> like that that's not that's not a, that's that's not something you should leave off. Like, hey, I created this really great platform for this really great product. <laughs> yeah, I um, mean I did have I had some help, but yes, I am that's something I did. <laughs> 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 okay, so shall we say humble, uh, humble, 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 humble. Okay, so you, you've been, you started in Subway, and then you moved to Parts Edge. You took some time off for real estate. Now you're back with Parts Edge. You've been Parts Edge for many years. You're crushing it. You guys are all over the country. Um, and now that you where you are, um, what would be one really great piece of advice that you've learned across the uh, across your years here that you would say is it is going to help maybe a technician because you deal mostly with parts people with with parts managers and parts advisors and things of that nature but that helps the technicians like they they're supplying a, a vital role to the technicians what's something that you've helped with that you can see can help directly with technicians to help them be happier I would say, um, I'm trying to think about this, and I knew this question was going to come. Um, <laughs> you know, we do mostly communicate with parts managers, um, and we don't really get involved with techs, but it seems like the when we work with parts managers, the techs seem a little bit happier because there's more of the right parts. So I, I would say, like, for techs to be happier in regards to parts, maybe just, um, Kind of level with the department and have an understanding that it is an investment and they can't have all the parts like they can't be the depot um mm -hmm. and to just communicate because i've heard stories of just like you know the the communication barrier of like 
The parts person may not understand that the passenger to the driver's side, they're new to the business, so they might think right and left and left is right and whatever. So like there's that text maybe like both people need to have an understanding, I think. That may be, maybe mm -hmm. that'll help. I don't know. <laughs> well, one of the big concerns, and, and I think I posted about this recently, and I, I think one of my buddies, Craig, mentioned, made a comment on it. So I, I was talking about the responsibility of technicians assisting parts and improving parts processes and, and helping them out as much as they can. And I, I think, and, and both rightly and and not necessarily disagreeably in my, my circumstance, but what's the flat rate labor time to help parts do their job? Well, yeah. it's a bit harsh. Um, and I know anybody listening that turns a wrenches wrenches for a living, um, that sentiment exists, maybe not necessarily verbally and, and on and outwardly, but mm -hmm. uh, fundamentally, it's a hard thing to grasp that as a production based employee, not somebody who's salaried or, or hourly. Now, there's hourly techs out there. Yes, but they don't get paid based on helping parts. And it's hard to sit there. To, to teach somebody, but teaching them helps, right? Teaching them helps, but you know, also leave that to the parts manager to kind of help teach. But like, I was going to say more of like, if you can help the parts team understand or do things faster, it's going to help the text produce faster. And like, you know, it, it brings that whole like team dynamic of like the parts people are like, yeah, I want to run this part too. Yeah, I want to help you because we're a team and I want to make it better so i think mm -hmm. that makes a huge difference is like rather than like a tech being like you know i'm up just gonna sit here and wait for this part like you know i don't know it's just making it be more of a team thing is probably what could help the, the team aspect is is really important and, and we talk about communication and, and helping and, and teamwork and so on is there a piece of advice that you could from your perspective, from the feedback that you've gotten from parts managers or a piece of advice you could give a technician in order to more specifically communicate better? Because we talk about how we need to communicate better. We need to communicate better. Well, what does that language sound like? And well, you know, when, when I talk about empathy, right? Is it, we're talking about empathy specifically, yes? Uh-huh, yeah. And I think the language is different for uh, people. So I think that's the whole, that comes to, with leadership is leadership understanding, okay, this tech communicates in this way and this tech communicates. Like some people are not very communicative, is that how you say it? Um, and they take more time to process where some people are just like instantly know and just are, you know, talk. It's just one of those things. I think leadership just needs to have that like understanding. Everyone needs to have an understanding of like, the way each person communicates and how they want to be communicated with. Um, that's with any department. That's not even just techs and parts people. It's like any, when you're working with anyone, I just remember that because I don't really work with a team where I, because I'm the only sales marketing person right now. <laughs> but I mm -hmm. remember back in my subway days, um, just having to learn how to communicate with the, all the different types of employees and, and the different levels of where everyone was at and you know how to teach someone is different it, I learned differently than you learned, probably. It's just the whole thing. I can, I can almost guarantee it. I, I Did you, now, a while back I posted about how, how you uh, absorb information. Did you take that test? There's a test yeah, that know. you can I take that, that, that breaks down 
test that breaks down. So you're either an auditory learner, a visual uh -huh. learner, or a tactile learner. And I can pretty much guarantee that technicians across the board are going to be similar to me where they are heavily weighted tactile, right? We, we need to touch things, pull things apart to learn it. Not always. And there's an aspect, there's usually a, a breakdown between the three, right? You get a, a portion of tactile, a portion of visual, a portion of, of auditory. Um, but my auditory is, is zero. Like it's yeah. zero. I did the test and it's zero. It's like 20% uh, visual and 80% tactile. So wow, I as take that test. So I'll, I'll send the link after and, and I'll and I'll make sure that when when you folks are listening to this, I'll put a link in the description of the podcast that goes out so you guys can click it and, and go check it out because um, it's a really important piece of information to, to help you understand yourself a little bit you probably kind of already know or kind of have an idea but what it is the test breaks down like 20 or 25 different questions and how you respond determines what you're more leaning towards it's not a, def a super definitive but it's a great place to start so that if let's say this is a part for parts managers if you're having difficulty with a technician or technician if you're having difficulty with a parts advisor or a parts manager maybe ask them instead of berating them or instead of getting up in somebody's face about how you're being treated maybe yeah. take a step back take a breath and try and understand it's like what it, what is it about how i'm communicating isn't working for you do would it be better if i wrote it for you would it be better you know would it be better if i show you bring you outside bring you into the shop and show you or do i take a picture of it for you so to exactly. better communicate and then build that does that sound like it'd be helpful to your parts folks i think so i mean that that's basically what i'm saying is like everyone learns differently and to take a step back that like maybe i think we all kind of get in this like mindset that you know people learn like i do like i just know i, I hear from people well and my husband's in the industry so he's you know a manager so i'm like not everyone learns like you you have to like take a step back and think about like how people are gonna perceive the information. And um, sometimes it takes more than once for people and that doesn't mean they're not smart. It just takes more than once sometimes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. And asking, we, we talked about last week, uh, not last week, last week I filmed, but, and, mm -hmm. and posted um, with Leonard Buckholtz and we're talking about, you know, his big piece of advice is asking for help. And mm -hmm. yours isn't much different. It's it's that asking for help, making sure that you're getting the right information to the right people in the right way. That it's it's kind of the same. It's becoming a, a trend where that that helpfulness and being open to help is such a big deal to so many people. And it can be helpful to so many people, including into parts. Now, I think uh, when I had the the opportunity to, to be on on your podcast, the Parts Go Podcast, we talked about you know supply, um, the the difficulty with obsolescence and so forth. And and since the fall, is there anything since then that you would uh, or can share about how obsolescence has changed in the last six months? Is it going to change? <laughs> I don't think it's going to change. I mean, I think it's it's really kind of a fact of business. Do, it's just part of business. Um, but I think that it can be controlled a little bit more efficiently. And a lot of dealerships get in this um, 
uh, get themselves into trouble because they're not paying attention to it or they have someone in a role that needs more training and then all of a sudden there's this big problem. Um, you know, there's so many resources out there to offload the ops lessons, but I think at Parts Edge we always preach that it's, you know, finding the, the source, what, what was going on, what made it build, what weren't you doing to, to stay ahead so that it's, because the worst thing you can do is offload it, get rid of it, and then it just keeps growing and getting bigger and coming back. Is there one, if for any of the dealers that happen to be leaking it and any of the parts people that happen to be listening and take advantage of this, is there one thing that comes up over and over when you're doing discovery with new stores that even if they don't participate in Parts Edge, which they absolutely should, but if they don't participate in parts of what's one thing that they could do tomorrow and go click and it will immediately help them deal with obsolescence. Mm. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things they can do. I would say uh, we have an ebook out for forecasting obsolescence. And I think a lot of mm -hmm. parts managers probably already do this. Um, but it's just something that can help you track that category of your inventory. So it's basically all the parts in your six to 12, month category that has no sales or no receipts, months no sale, no, months no receipts. Um, you divide that by six because there's six months in that time period and that gives you your monthly average of how much your obsolescence is gonna grow. So let's say you have 10,000 in that category. If you don't have 10,000 in return reserve or return allowance or anything, your obsolescence is gonna grow by that much each month moving forward. So I think that, I mean, That's I think awesome. a lot of people are doing that, but it's something that I don't think the DMSs really track, like it's not right there in your front of your face. You have to go kind of find it and do the math. Mm -hmm. So I think it will, uh, to give you an example, when I was fixed off at the small Mitsu store, there was absolutely no way that I would have time to have done that. Absolutely. Like it was myself. I had a parts advisor. I had, and I had five techs. That oh. was it. So yeah. just just being able to manage uh, 30 to 40 customers a day through service mm -hmm. and get the parts ordered and do the parts uh, um, receive and get the parts to the guys and get appointments for the next day and take care of the customers on that day. That in itself, we were we were both there 12 hours a day, like just yeah. just that. So mm -hmm. folks that are in that position, like if you think owners and dealer principals in a small store like that where you have you basically have a skeleton crew you might have 15 people working for your store total not 15 people just in service or even 15 people in parts um those folks are the ones that have a really hard time right you know in in my experience thus far the dealerships that have the hardest time are those in roughly the 4 to 14 technician range because they don't have they have so much work but they don't have enough revenue to have enough folks in the department, in each department, to be able to manage all the tasks efficiently. So they have to have things like Parts Edge in order to help them not only forecast, but help alleviate any extraneous expense, right? That yeah. that's, that's hard. That's where Parts Edge really comes into play because now you guys are basically taking care of that for them to a certain degree, or at least automating some of that for them so that they can make better decisions going forward, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's just a piece of it. But yes, that's um, we get a lot of customers in that that scenario of what you're explaining, where they have a skeleton crew, they, the or the parts manager is newer, 
Um, there's so many different like buckets where we get really new parts managers and then we get ones that um, are also counter people, shipping receipt, like everything. <laughs> and mm -hmm. then we also have those really, really large operations where they also can't keep up because it's such a massive operation. There's so much data involved in having the best inventory and controlling it. So there's so many different buckets. <laughs> where, a lot of buckets. Yeah. And it's and it's difficult, like in your experience thus far in you're now into years uh, and, yeah. and experiencing multiple different dealers and dealer sizes and dealer groups to think that you can parts edge helps folks that in like three to four technicians where they might be generating ten thousand dollars in labor sales a day at best to group sizes where you're dealing with, uh, you know, technicians like 20 30 40 50 technicians per shop and they've got 10 shops now you've got 500 techs and you're dealing with millions of dollars a month in labor and parts sales like it's it's mind-blowing this industry absolutely mind and how fast like i i can't imagine what it looks like for you when you look at dms and parts inventories for group and you're looking at you know the difference between one percent and two percent on obsolescence at that scale is a big number it's a big number yeah um yeah and that's not even like there's four stock there's excess there's the technical it's not even just your your over to 12 month part so it's there's a lot of data to look at and control mm -hmm. better and it's enjoyable to I'm, I'm i'm assuming at this point you're you're like most of us on this side of the coin where we enjoy looking at the data it's like oh i found a way to save you a whole ton of money click 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 click, click and there you go right yeah i really enjoy my favorite part is like looking at the numbers from when someone first starts to like six months later and like seeing a huge difference and like finding that and i'm like oh my gosh it's just that's really <laughs> exciting to see awesome Awesome. Well, I, I hope that a whole bunch of people can get some really great information from that. I, I appreciate you taking the time this evening, Kaylee. I, I really do. And uh, I hope parts managers and service leaders and owners and mechanics out there can take take something from that. I'd love some of you to, to give feedback. If you're listening to right now, please give, give us some feedback. Also, make sure that you check out uh, the link that I post in the description. It's going to check out Kaylee. We're gonna we're coming up next here. We're gonna do uh, a little bit of information, but the, in the link in the description, you're gonna find information. So when she's speaking in uh, upcoming events, okay, check the link out. Everybody, have a listen. There's also gonna be a link to the Parts School podcast. Have a listen. She's got some great uh, speakers on there with her. That like, and it's going back where where you're what I think we we're talking about earlier is 47 episodes in. Um, I almost, I'm 44. So a couple more awesome. away from being a, a year. So I just, I didn't believe that when I saw it. <laughs> it was pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's been a really good experience and I'm going to keep doing it. So excellent. Excellent. So again, I appreciate, I appreciate you and, and thank you much for giving me your time, Kaylee. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the show. I hope it helps someone out. <laughs> Will do. Oh no! That's the end of today's episode! But that's okay, because there's going to be another one next week. Thank you all very much for listening this week. Ladies and gentlemen, I really appreciate it. And thank you, Kaylee, for spending some time with me. I really appreciate the support all of you have given me. 
We're about to roll some fairly major milestones and, and I couldn't do it without you. So thank you again. And if you haven't, please subscribe to the Wrench Nerds podcast on your streaming service of choice to make sure you don't miss the next episode when it drops. Lastly, a quote until next week. A little different than normal. Have a listen. If someone tells you you don't need that much power in a race car, stop talking to them. You don't need that kind of negativity in your life. Upcoming shows for the Registers Podcast, Mechanic Minute is tomorrow on Thursday and Coach's Corner on Saturday. And remember, folks, always clean your toys before you put them away. <laughs>